Hello there, church. It is great to see you guys in person uh, in our figured still socially distanced rows today. Huh? And those who are joining us online, man, I'm so glad that you, that you are with us. I'm hoping that you are. We had a few issues last service, but I think we got those all worked out now. So we're glad that you are with us, uh, whether you're with us live stream, whether you're watching us later on on demand, whether you're here in person. I'm just happy to be here. I don't know about you. I hope you are. I hope you are. Hey, last week, Steve Jones was uh, continuing on our sermon series, Obey Everything. He talked about some spiritual disciplines, and he concentrated primarily on uh, silence and solitude, but he mentioned fasting, and that kind of set things up for me for this week. As, as we were planning out uh, this year's sermon series, and this topic came up, and, and we were just having a discussion in staff. I said, oh, yeah, I've, I... I do that. I've done some several things with youth group, with 30-hour famine, all these things. He's like, great, you preach that. I went, okay. So that's where we are today, all right? <laughs> so as I say, I was introduced to this notion of fasting through the 30-hour famine, a program of World Vision, a Christian mission organization that helps feed starving children around the world. And so as a student minister, I gathered my youth group together and I said, hey guys, I got a great idea. Let's go 30 hours without food. That's about the uh, response I got, actually. Yeah. So, but I convinced them. And uh, so it's not just going 30 hours without food, but you get people to sponsor you during that time frame so that you can raise money to then help World Vision be able to, to help out with starving children all around the world. Now, I got to tell you, prior to this, I was one of those guys that thought that the time period from lunch to supper, that was a long fast, all right? I mean, I'm not a hobbit, but second breakfast is my favorite meal of the day. I mean, how many are, are with me on that one? Uh, yeah, a couple of you are brave enough to admit that, good. But here's what I found out. Going 30 hours without food, now we could drink juices and, and water, all right? But going 30 hours without food, it helped me to draw closer to God because I was spending that time concentrating on my relationship with God. I was spending that time concentrating on, on loving the people around me and on serving other people both near in the form of service projects that we did locally and far away. We were helping raise money to feed starving children. And amazingly, what I found was this sense of joy and peace that, frankly, I had never experienced before. And at the end of that 30-hour famine, man, let me tell you, nope, I'll save that for a few more minutes into the message, okay? So, let's take a look, though, because um, a theologian, Dallas Willard, uh, he passed away just a couple of years ago, and um, he had this to say about fasting. Among the acts of worship which God accepts, fasting is perhaps the most difficult to perform on a regular basis. It's difficult because it requires the body to forego one of its most basic sources of pleasure, eating. Fasting is nothing more than giving up a routine. But it is such an ingrained routine that the entire system reacts against the idea. It cries subliminally as a baby for a bottle. Creating such a subliminal havoc in the mind 
that an excuse is usually accepted. And the fast is either postponed or curtailed or modified. Now, when most of us think about fasting, we absolutely think about it in terms of giving up food. And that's certainly one way to fast, and it's one that we're going to concentrate on pretty much in this message. But remember what Willard said? Fasting is about giving up a routine. Fasting is about giving up a routine. That can be anything. That could be entertainment. That could be social media. That could be running. Some of us have a lifelong fast on running, don't we? Oh, wait a minute. If it's not a routine to start with, can it really be a fast? Uh, probably not. Probably not. So again, I'm not as concerned about what it is we fast from, although again, this morning we're going to concentrate primarily on this area of fasting from food. But the attitude that we have while fasting, that's what's important. Now, we all struggle with the American cultural notion of being self-reliant. You know, pulling yourself up by your bootstraps. We don't need any help. We can make it on our own. Self-reliance. I mean, we've all heard the mythical story of the American hero who, from humble beginnings and despite all odds, pulled himself up by the bootstraps and with his own might and determination conquered all because... America, right? And we think, well, if he can do it, so can I. I don't need anybody or anything. I'm just like little brother on Homestar Runner. I can make it on my own. That's what the culture teaches. But as followers of Christ, we need to examine his teachings. I mean, how can we obey everything if we're not fully exploring everything Jesus has taught. <clears throat> so, this morning we're going to see a glimpse of Christ's teaching on this matter of fasting in Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 16. And when you fast, don't make it obvious, as the hypocrites do. For they try to look miserable and disheveled, so people will admire them for their fasting. I tell you the truth, that is the only reward they will ever get. But when you fast, comb your hair and wash your face. No one will notice that you are fasting except your Father who knows what you do in private. And your Father who sees everything will reward you. Whoa, whoa, time out. Did you catch it? Or did you miss it? Did it slip by you? I got to say, there's some people who reacted to a Facebook post that we put up this past week who caught it. Did you catch that word? Jesus didn't say if, he said when, when you fast. I mean, it's almost like Jesus just assumes that if you're trying to obey everything and you want to be a truly committed follower of his, that fasting is just part of your regular routine. We shouldn't look or feel miserable while fasting. Fasting should be done with joy, not grudging resentment. Because, as Kathy Keller puts it, all joyless obedience commits the sin of questioning God's love. All joyless obedience commits the sin 
of questioning God's love. Now, I don't know about you guys, but I think a sin that questions God's love has got to be one that really breaks his heart. I want us to realize that God has given us the tools to conquer even that sin. Because we've got to stop looking at fasting as giving something up and instead looking at it as, as a way to draw closer to God. Fasting strengthens our relationship with God. And we should rejoice in that closeness. Right after Jesus is baptized by John the Baptist, what does he do? He fasts. For 40 days and 40 nights, he goes into the wilderness and he fasts. We read that story in Matthew chapter 4. Beginning in verse 1, it says, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted there by the devil. For 40 days and 40 nights, he fasted and became very hungry. And yep, most of us seize on that phase, phrase, became very hungry, don't we? But what about the phrase, then Jesus was led by the Spirit? It was God's Holy Spirit that took Jesus into the wilderness for him to fast. Because you see, Jesus needed to be properly prepared for the journey that was ahead of him over the next three years. This was not a journey that Jesus could make on his own strength. And we're talking about Jesus here, the one and only true Son of God. And he knew he couldn't make it on his own. He confirmed his utter dependence on God. He spent 40 days drawing all the spiritual and emotional and mental strength that he could from the source of all strength. And then the devil came to tempt him. But because Jesus had been feasting with God while fasting from food, he was prepared. The devil started off pretty, pretty small, pretty simple. Hey, I know you're hungry, Jesus, so turn those stones to bread. Get you something to eat. And Jesus said, oh, man doesn't live by bread alone. But he didn't stop there. He continued to say what feasting with God looks like. It's not just that man doesn't live on bread alone, but he lives on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Fasting is feasting with God when we spend that time purposefully in God's Word to draw closer to Him and to strengthen us for whatever lies ahead on this earth. The devil upped the ante with Jesus, misquoting scriptures along the way. First he says, hey, let's go up to the top of the temple, throw yourself off. And he misquotes scriptures and says, because it says in the Word that they won't, the angels will protect you. They won't even let you stub your toe. Then he takes Jesus to the top of a high mountain, shows him all the kingdoms of the earth, says, hey, if you'll just bow down and worship me, I'll give all of this to you. And on each of those occasions, Jesus responded by properly quoting Scripture to refute Satan. Hmm. Could it be that there's a connection between fasting while diving deeper into God's Word? Well, Dallas Willard seems to think so. 
He wrote, fasting is indeed feasting. When we have learned well to fast, we will not suffer from it. It will bring strength and joy. We will not be miserable. So Jesus tells us not to look miserable, as we just read in Matthew 6.16. Was he suggesting that we fake a condition of joy and sufficiency when we fast? Surely not. He knew that we would have meat to eat that others know not of. You see, learning to fast well brings joy that the so-called self-reliant could never comprehend. Fasting well means that we are coming to understand this time of self-denial is declaring our utter dependence on God, who alone can prepare us for the journey ahead of us. Fasting confirms our utter dependence on God. The reward from our Father in Heaven who sees what we're doing in private is just that. Meet that others know not of. Jesus experienced that firsthand after those 40 days in the desert. His tummy may have grumbled a few times, but Jesus knows firsthand the strength of coming out of the wilderness after that fast has put him in a position of strength to be able to withstand the attacks of Satan. Those 40 days feasting with God while fasting from food fueled Jesus to be able to handle what came his way from the devices of the devil. It also helped him prepare for what was to come over the next three years of his earthly ministry. Fasting is a spiritual discipline to be practiced on a regular basis. Sure, you think. But seriously, what is in this for me? Well, glad you asked. Remember, Fasting is feasting with the Lord. Fasting strengthens your relationship with God, allowing you to better experience His love. And fasting confirms our utter dependence on God. When you have important decisions in your life, fasting is called for. You honestly cannot do this on your own, little brother. You need the strength that comes from God's indwelling Holy Spirit. You need to bathe this matter in prayer and then put the appropriate feet on those prayers. Even Jesus' closest followers struggled with this notion. They once tried to heal this demon-possessed boy to no avail. They came to Jesus like, dude, I don't know. We just, we can't do it. And Jesus' response, well, this can only be accomplished by prayer and fasting. Yet that goes against the cultural teachings of self-reliance and picking yourself up by the bootstraps. As followers of Christ, we've got to conquer those detracting uh, thought processes. We just, we just got to get rid of that. We must realize that we can't make it on our own. That it is only through the power of the Holy Spirit that we can. Again, remember that phrase from Matthew 4.1? Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. It's only by the power of the Holy Spirit that we can successfully apply the principles of fasting in our lives. Now, as for the physical benefits, have you heard of this new notion called intermittent fasting? 
It's where you eat during an eight-hour window of the day, and then you fast for 16 hours of the day. Hopefully, eight of those hours you're sleeping. I found in my years of 30-hour famine that eight hours of sleep makes the fast go faster. Just saying. But intermittent fasting is something that has become the rage, I guess. And, and I've talked with some folks who do this, and they have let me know, man, yeah, there are, there are absolutely serious benefits to intermittent fasting. You'll drop a few pounds, but also you'll have a, a more clear and more focused mind and just more peace. Because again, if, if you're fasting and drawing closer to God in that fast, it's just one of those benefits. How about a lowered blood pressure and those pressure-packed decisions that you're facing? The calming influence of growing closer to God and relying on His strength absolutely can make that blood pressure go down. How about sleeping better at night? Anybody want that one? Man, I do. All right. You want to, to create a more calm environment around you? Then start by relying on God through your utter dependence on Him. It makes the putting feet on your prayers much easier. Now notice I didn't say easy. I said easier. But yeah, it's almost like God has given us this spiritual discipline of fasting that has benefits in the spiritual and physical realm. Weird, right? So what opportunities have we missed? What health benefits have we forgone? What failures in our lives could we attribute to a lack of prayer and fasting? Since we're called to obey everything Jesus has commanded, maybe this is an area we should consider with obedience and even joy. When we approach this notion of fasting with the attitude that fasting is feasting with God, our perspective is finally in its proper place. But how? How do we do that? Well, first, stop focusing on the giving up of something. And let's declare our utter dependence on God. Secondly, let's concentrate on the fact that we will draw into a closer relationship with God. That will be strengthened for life's journey because of the feast with God. Because fasting can indeed be entered into with joy and combed hair and washed faces, not sackcloth and ashes and long faces. Oh yeah, I was telling you about my first 30-hour famine. So at the end of this 30 hours, we had already predetermined that we were going to take our group to an all-you-can-eat buffet. I mean, We'd gone more than a day without eating, so we were ready to destroy us a buffet, right? <laughs> Not quite how it worked out. We, we all went through, filled our first plate. Most of us put reasonable portions down. Some of us were piling it on. We found that we couldn't finish the first plate of food. Nobody went back for seconds. A few brave souls did attempt a dessert, didn't eat much of that either. What we found was that as we had denied ourselves food 
over the last 30 hours, but had feasted with God. That we were filled in such a way that we didn't need that food right then. It wasn't even appetizing. We had spent the last 30 hours drawing closer to God, serving others locally and globally, and just loving on people. And there was a joy and a peace and a fulfillment that we had never experienced before. Now, I have to say, that's been my experience every time I have fasted. And we can experience the strength of our Heavenly Father as we are obedient in this area of fasting. I pray that we can all experience that feast as we fast. And that we're all strengthened for life's journey. May we do so without calling attention to ourselves but with the intention of obeying everything Christ has commanded. I got up this morning, took a shower. I know you all are glad for that. Combed my hair, washed my face, put some sweet beard oil on my beard. So you don't know whether I'm fasting today or not. And that's the point. You shouldn't be able to tell. God knows. Will we obey everything? I pray we will. Our Father and our God, thank you so much for the great love that you have for us. Thank you for the opportunity, Father, that we have to show that love to others. May we determine that our utter dependence on you is far more important than any physical show, May we determine, God, that obedience to your word will strengthen our relationship with you and strengthen us in this walk on this planet. And may we follow the example of Jesus always. We ask this in his name. Amen.